Hello friends, welcome to our first interview bonus episode of Therapy Thursday. I was so excited that I got to sit down and talk with Ellie McLemore, one of my great friends, uh, about her experiences with mental health. Particularly, we talked about eating disorders, self-worth, all within her field, which is the entertainment industry. It was such a fascinating interview. Uh, so without further ado, let's just jump right into it. And I know that you're going to enjoy hearing from Ellie just as much as I enjoyed talking to her. Hello, everyone. Welcome to our Therapy Thursday bonus episodes, where we get to sit down and chat with some of the most amazing people about their mental health journeys. Uh, Today, I am so, so, so excited. We have my personal friend, uh, Ellie McLemore, and she is just, she's amazing. Not only is she a great great friend, but she's also a spectacularly talented actress. Her credits include things from Broadway to TV to movies. Uh, She was the original Ava in Bring It On, the Broadway original cast. She was the original Heather McNamara in Heather's original cast. She played Patty Simcox in Grease Live. She's been on TV shows from Army Wives to Sweet Life on Deck to The Middle. And of course, her most important credit to date is the 2008 production of Peter Pan at Palo Verde High School in Las Vegas, where we got to play opposite each other. Uh, Ellie was Peter and I was Hook. Um, We were double cast, but we still got to, to play around. So it was so much fun. I'm so, so grateful that I count myself among people that she's gotten to share the stage and screen with because it includes some pretty big names. She's worked with Julianne Huff, Aaron Tveit, Vanessa Hudgens, Carly Rae Jepsen, Ashanti, Brooke Shields, Jesse McCartney, and so many just amazing, talented people. And she is an amazing, incredibly talented person herself. So welcome, Ellie McLemore. I'm so excited you're here. What an intro. I'm going to bring that everywhere I go to everyone <laughs> that I meet. <laughs> just play it. <laughs> Okay, so um, for those of you who are just joining us for this podcast, we just want to sit down with people and talk about mental health, mental wellness, um, therapy, emotional health, all of those topics, because we just want to help remove the stigma around it and just be able to talk openly about it. So you guys just get to kind of uh, join in with us as uh, Ellie and I will talk about her mental health, mental wellness journey, and just the insights that she's gained from, from her experiences with that. So let's just start with the big, big question, Ellie. And what, whatever you want to talk about or share is up to you, but what has been your journey uh, with mental health? Oh my gosh, such a good question. First of all, it's World Mental Health Day, is it not? Oh, you are right. We are recording this on World Mental Health Day, October 10th. Yes. I was so excited when I woke up this morning and I got the therapies for people shirt out of my closet. <laughs> I'm like, today's the day. <laughs> felt it like is today, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. So I'm so excited about that. Also, I am so, I wanted to thank you because when you had me do the giveaway for this shirt, it was so huge for my growth because I had never candidly come out or spoke about anything regarding my eating disorder that I had for over a decade. And so there's something so powerful about just saying it out loud publicly that I don't know what it is. I know that you had a similar experience with your podcast yeah. and it came out as a part of the LGBTQ plus community, which mm-hmm. I'm so excited. I celebrate you for that. Thank and like, you. But also just the idea of saying it out loud. I know you also did something on public vulnerability lately. And there's just something you gave me the platform and a microphone to be like, okay, you know what? I, I can say this out loud and I'm ready to. And normally I'm such a private person and I don't talk about anything. So I just wanted to thank you for, for that gift because that was huge for me. I don't think you realize what you did. <laughs> thank you. That means a lot. I, I, and that's the point is that I've got one story, sure, that I can talk about with mental health, but there are so many more people with other stories that they have to share about you know, what this is. And so 
yeah, if we can, the, the more people we get talking about it, the better. So I'm, I'm glad you're willing to do that for us too. Totally. You know, you only see so much on social media and I'm really, I used, I like to gloss over the things like everyone else that are not so beautiful. So I'm excited today to talk about these kind of things more. Basically, it's interesting because Peter Pan was like the moment that I knew, like, I love this and you were a part of that. So like to, for us to come full circle is like so exciting. Love it. But um, that was like maybe a year before, six months before I had started auditioning and I got thrown into it really quickly. I started out when I was, I guess I was 17. I, I didn't graduate. I graduated from Palo, but I left a year early. Mm-hmm. And I went and started auditioning and I just was on a roll and uh, things happened so fast. But I think that I just really didn't have the skills to take care of myself. And it really caught up with me mm. uh, later on. Even after I achieved all the success, I was so far down the rabbit hole that I knew I needed to take time off but I didn't, you know, the industry has this way of conditioning you to believe that time is like not important yet. So important, you know, you have to keep hustling and keep going. You cannot take time for yourself. So at that point I was sacrificing anything just for some make-believe job, you know? So I, I, I had an eating disorder probably for, you know, it started out during like 2011 and I'm fully healed as of like four years ago, but I mean, it it was a long time and it got to the point where it was either my health or I could have died if I wouldn't have put myself first. So I just wanted to, if anyone's listening to this, that, that is a part of the entertainment industry or wants to be a part of it, there is that toxic aspect of just, you don't have time for yourself, you know, and it's it's dangerous. It can leave you so helpless because your power is always in somebody else's hands. So I think that for me was really dangerous because if I wouldn't have taken the time and surrounded myself around people that were good and step back and been like, you know, my career is not as important as my health. And I, I, I probably, I could not be here today. So it was, it's very intense. So I just, you know, I, I tend to wonder if I would have been prone to these conditions because I have OCD and if I would have chose a different career, mm-hmm. but I think that there's something about the entertainment industry, which and you're, you're vaguely familiar with too. Cause you're, you do, you're an actor that you're constantly giving the control and your power to somebody else. And a lot of times it is in their control because they have all of the cards to say yes or no. So, yeah. you know, you have your, your sense of self just gets lost. So I think that was really what happened to me. So I'm so grateful that I'm here today and I can talk about this. Just jumping right into it. Yeah, let's do it. Jump right in. I love that we get this amazing insight into an industry that we don't usually get to hear very much about because, I mean, it's it's a very selective, very pretty exclusive industry, right? Like it, it is, I mean, obviously a credit to your skill to be in that industry, but it's also just like, it's hard to be in that industry. Like a lot of people can't do it. And a lot of people who do do it end up hurting themselves while they're doing it, right? Yeah. I mean, I- I know that I, I just, I, I think I just heard about on the news, um, the film crew industry is like on strike or something right now. The, the union for, yeah, you know, because their working conditions and their hours and stuff like that is just like, yeah, you don't get a say. It's just, yep, you're going to work a 20 hour day because we have to get this, we have to get this shot done and you're just, you're going to do it and you're going to show up and that's that. And if you don't like it, here's the door. There's a hundred other people who would kill to have your job. So take yeah. it or leave it. Isn't that, and you see, we're seeing the power dynamics 
slightly change, but there's just so much work to be done. It's um, even as small as going into a casting room and being like, I don't matter. I don't matter. Like in, you can talk yourself up to be like, okay, let's do it again. You can do it, pick yourself off the ground. But as much as you say, it's, um, it's not personal. It is personal because mm-hmm. it's literally your whole identity and your whole being. So right. there's, so much to, there's so much to change and the time's up movement, the me too. I mean, there are so many people that are working in this industry that should not be. That's all I'll say about that. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So let's, let's jump into kind of where this started for you. I, the, the eating disorder part, I think is a very important piece to tackle because we talk a lot about depression and anxiety and a lot of these other things, but I think eating disorder is one that doesn't get addressed enough. I think there's still, you know, anxiety, depression, um, OCD, PTSD, a lot of these things are kind of getting destigmatized, but I think eating disorder still has a, a bit of shame surrounding it, even in the mental health world. So how did that get started for you? What, you know, where was the beginnings of that? That's such a good point too. And I think it kind of is glamorized in a sense in, in the entertainment industry where, oh, okay. it, where, I mean, for me, it didn't happen that way and I'll go back and explain, but I think that we still are, admire people that are thin and that, you know, it's just, so there's like a sexiness to it that mm-hmm. I think is, is, um, Hollywoodized that I, I mean, I think it's kind of changing, but that's just a separate piece for me. It started out, um, very innocently. And this is why I just don't think people realize how it could happen to anyone. I, I just started eating, you know, it was right before bring it on happened. And I actually had gone through a breakup. And I had lost a little bit of weight and I was like, I didn't think anything of it. I was like, Oh, like, I guess I'm, I'm always, I'm a small person. I'm my, I have agent, Asian descent, which is a lot of times small, smaller bones and features like my grandmother and my other grandmother is four eleven, So I'm small no matter what, but I got a little smaller and I just liked the way I looked and I was going on, I was rehearsing for this show and I was working out so much eating less because I was just so excited and fulfilled and I just didn't have an appetite. I was running on adrenaline and it really, I didn't think I had a problem. You know, people around me were kind of like, are you sure you want to eat a salad for every meal? Like that's not healthy, but I didn't think anything of it. I'm like, I'm healthy. Healthy. This is, this is great. And so um, then, you know, they start measuring you and you realize you're in a different city on a different, you know, and you're like, oh no, like my costume is not as, as uh, loose as it once was. And you have to maintain the, that costume for at least your run. I mean, I'm sure they could do something about it if you really ask, but you know, it, that, that's just what happened to me. Yeah. And it didn't really catch up to me until right after I obviously had a problem and I didn't know it. I was in denial and, and I didn't, I genuinely thought that I was healthy. And so that's why I see so many people. I'm like, you're not being healthy. That's pro- be careful. Cause this is going to spiral out of control very quickly. And, um, after that, right before, uh, I, I did army wives, I stopped working out because of bring it on. Then I started realizing, Oh wait, what I eat actually does affect how I look. That's how naive I was. I, I just thought I could eat whatever I wanted and it didn't matter. And that's when I realized, Oh, this makes a difference. So then I started to really get out of control. And I mean, I had like orthorexia, which is kind of, you know, being fixated on what type of things you eat. I was very anorexic. I was bulimic, very bulimic at some point in my life. And then it just was all three of those back and forth all the time. And, um, and that happened, that was 2013, all the way up until 2018, if I'm being completely honest. And so throughout that time period, no one knew. 
my family and my friends, no one had any idea. And even when I started dating my now husband, he didn't even know. So this is something that is very secretive and dangerous. And then there, there came a point where I was just like, I can't live. I'm not going to live if this continues and I have to take at least a year off or else I'm going to die. <laughs> so I, I had, I myself had to get the, the help I needed and, um, you know, we can talk about that more. That that's how it started. So it was, it's very innocent and it's very isolated. That's, mm-hmm. and it just, if you don't nip it in the bud, it will get out of control really fast. I think that is the experience of almost everything that I've seen in the mental health world is that it, especially when it comes to eating disorders or addictions or any of those kind of things, they, they almost always start very innocent and we don't even recognize that we're, we're getting close to that edge. Right. Um, that it, it starts with something just, you know, uh, you know, maybe less, less severe, you know, it's not, it's not harmful yet, but you know, and then because we're not aware of where it can lead and because it's not talked about because it is isolating and secretive, we don't hear people saying, Hey, be careful of this. Right. And yeah, especially with something like an eating disorder, where it's so easy to use, use health as, I don't know, a mask for that right? You can say, oh no, I'm, I don't, I don't have a problem. I'm being healthy. Everyone else has the problem. I'm the one who's eating healthy. I'm the one who's doing, doing these right things. Yes. And another thing is it's, it's drugs. I'm sure it's, it's an addiction and eating disorder. It truly is. But if you are addicted to substances, you know, you can at some point get them out of your life, but eating is something you always have to do. So it's just always there. And that makes it even more challenging because you know, for instance, my body did not know how to digest food anymore. So I literally, it's, it's a physical healing process as, as well as mental too. I gained probably 20 pounds. And for me, that's, that's, that's a lot. And they say, um, I, I started to volunteer and help a little, and they say, you have to be at least like three years, uh, healed to be at the place where you can speak on these things and not go back into the patterns and relapse or whatever it is. So, um, yeah, it, it took a, a long time. And also, you know, my identity was shaped up in my eating disorder. I was, I never have felt super talented or special in any way next to the, I've had to work very hard. I come from a blue collar family who's taught you do a and B and you work hard. And when I'm in this industry that there's no, there's no path and I don't know what the heck I'm doing. I think that was my way of controlling like anything. If I'm not going to be talented, I'm going to be small. And, and that was my thing. So when my identity was wrapped up in that, and that the healing process started with who am I now? Like, if I don't have this, what am I? And I think that's what I was covering up the whole time, really. I I find in treatment that any maladaptive behavior is, you know, we don't do things because they're hurting us. We we do things because we think they're helping, because they're giving something to our lives, because they're they're adding something to us, even if we don't recognize at the time that it's actually harmful. So is that is control? Is that what you think it was that that this was giving to your life? That was why it was something that you kept going with. I think it was control and I think it was, um, it ended up becoming an addiction, but I think the main reason was I didn't have anywhere to place my energy because there's no, I couldn't go to school to, to get the next audition. So it was just what I did. Cause I was, had a lot of time on my hands and I, I didn't know what to, I didn't have the skill set to put my energy into something constructive. So I think that's just how it manifested. Um, 
And like I said, I think it, it was control, but it started out just as um, trying to be healthy and trying to look good. So I'm still trying to c- figure out why, why it even happened to me. Cause I literally always said when I was growing up, I don't understand how people can have eating disorders. Like it's so dumb. Like, <laughs> like just get it together. <laughs> and now every time I've said that I'm, I end up with that problem. Whenever <laughs> I say it's not going to happen to me. Right. So, and I mean, I, I tried, I was on antidepressants for a while and medication and it's just a very intense thing. Any sort of mental health crisis that you have going on and these things alter your mind and you don't want people to think you're unreliable and you know you're going into auditions I'm fine like don't look at me I'm everything's great (laughs) put on the the tap shoes you know but meanwhile it's like oh god like no I I have a lot going on inside here and I need help so I mean just it sounds ugly to need to say you need help to, to say you need to take an antidepressant to say, you know, I think people would look at me and would never expect that any of this ever happened to me. So I think that's the reason why I want to talk about it. Cause I think it's not very on brand for someone who's very like positive and like happy all the time to literally say they were on antidepressants for an eating disorder. So I just hope that people know that even the most unassuming people go through this stuff and it's intense. Yeah. Wow. Well, and, and I imagine, especially in the industry that you're in where, I mean, like you said, you can't just, A doesn't lead to B always. You can be the most talented person in the room, but that doesn't mean you get, you, you get the gig, right? You don't always book, even if you're the most talented, right? There's so much of it is completely subjective. So you are completely at the mercy of these subjective valuations. And so much of it comes down to the perception of you both about what you, how you look. And like you mentioned, like how reliable you seem and all this stuff. So it's like, you can't win in any direction. That's such an interesting, that, that is. And I think that's what it is. You're so worried about your appearance and how you come off to people all the time. And it's, it's so the most talented people in the world will never have a job because it just is not, the system is not made to win. And I don't know if it'll ever change because there are so many talented people and that's when you, I'm so glad there are things like YouTube and, and, and like your podcast and things you can put yourself out there where you're not giving all of your power over to some person that can say, yes, this is good enough. I mean, it's so toxic and mm-hmm. it's horrible. It's, I don't know how to change it. I don't know if it'll ever change, but, but here we are. <laughs> yeah. So have, have you found any solutions to, I mean, either for people who are in, you know, whatever part of the art industry, whatever it is, because it's also subjective or just for anyone who's feeling like they don't really know how to find their own sense of identity. How do you find, I guess, confidence or purpose in, in your identity and in yourself and knowing yourself and not letting the subjective opinions of whether you get a gig or whether you book or whatever, letting that tear you down? Have you found anything that helps you with that? That's such a great question. Um, I think therapy is very important. Um, I think having a faith in something, I'm not a religious person, but I'm a very spiritual person. And if I didn't have any sort of faith in something bigger than me, I don't think I could do this. So I think that's really important. Surrounding myself around people, whether it's like two or three people that really get me and I don't feel like I have to put on a show for them. They're, they're there for me and they're they're not fair weather friends. They're just solid people in my life. That has been huge for me. I've, I mean, 
I think all the, throughout my healing process, I, a big part of what I was realizing was the people I was surrounding myself around and just, you know, you meet people that don't have your best interest at heart. And mm. it sounds so like basic that that would happen in Hollywood or whatever, but you can't separate whether somebody really likes you for what you're doing or has um ulterior motives, or if they actually genuinely like you as a person. So for me, that's literally my significant other and a few, few friends, a couple friends maybe, and my, my parents. So I think that's, that's really important to take time alone too, to really just try to find some sort of grounding within yourself to have peace of mind and and not feel like you're flying all over, all, not take just any job or any, any opportunity saying no is a huge thing mm. that and this is as far as my identity. And I guess any advice towards entering like the industry, it would, it would be the same, but knowing that you're, you're more important than any job, because, you know, like I said, we're, we've come so full circle and and I feel like I'm still that 16 year old girl in Peter Pan, but so much trauma has happened probably <laughs> for both of us that it's like those jobs are so, you know, they come and go. It's not sustainable. What matters is you. Um, those are just cool things to talk about, but who cares at the end of the day, like you're more important than that. And you're always going to be with yourself at the end of the day. So make sure you're you're cultivating that more than anything else, any career or anything like that. Love it. Love it so much. So if you could, if you could look back at that 16 year old self at little Ellie, just about to, you know, take her steps into the, into the big scary world before she had, you know, knew about all of these difficult things that were coming her way. What piece of advice would you give her to help her with that mental health journey? That's so good. Oh man. I think I would sit her down and be like, you need to really t slow down. Just don't be so focused on giving yourself away all the time. Slow down and learn how to take care of yourself. Uh, be self-sufficient. Just basic things like learning how to be emotionally sufficient, financially sufficient. I mean, I didn't even know how to I, I didn't know how to do anything. I, I had a, a business manager later on that did things for me and just like always doing stuff for me, but I didn't know how to take care of anything by myself. So learn those skills first. Don't rely on your parents to do everything for you because it's going to bite you in the butt in the end. So slow down and become self-sufficient and like be kind to yourself. <laughs> oh, I love it. Slow down. I think we could all use a little bit more of that. Yeah. I mean, in, in your industry for sure, but I think just in in our modern world in general, like we, we're not allowed to slow down. We are, we are conditioned so, so often that our value is based on our output, right? Oh, yeah. Whether it's, you know, going from one gig to the next, or even if it's in like a 99 to five kind of job, right? It's in your productivity, it's in your output, it's in what, what you're producing, right? And yeah, people don't give themselves permission to slow down very much. It's so funny because I was going to ask you, these are all things we're talking about in this industry, but is it the same do you think for every job? I, yes, I think there are definitely pieces that apply to every job. For me, I've, I had to drop down from full-time because I realized when I was working full-time with seeing uh, 25 to 30 clients a week, it was just, I, I wasn't able to give 
the clients what they deserved when they were paying for my time to, you know, to, to be able to meet with me. And so I just knew from that, I was like, yeah, this is what the job expects of me, but I'm not able to, to do my best for them or for myself. I'm burning myself out and I'm not giving them what, what they're coming here to get. So I had to drop down just for that. And so there's a lot of this pressure of you have to perform and you have to, you have to do the job and you have to do the 40 hours. You have to get X many clients. You have to earn this amount of money, whatever it is. But yeah, we have to be able to slow down. And if I hadn't slowed down, if I hadn't pulled back from that side of things, I would have never had the energy or the time or the clarity to be doing a lot of the stuff that I'm able to do now with the podcast and the social media and these interviews and stuff. Wow. You mentioned clarity too. That's such, that word has stuck out so much to me. I feel like that is such an important thing to want to achieve is clarity along my journey, I found that that was one thing I was striving for. It's like, why am I clouded all the time? Like, what do you recommend for people that are struggling with that? Is it slowing down or? Um, yeah, there's a lot of things. I think slowing down can definitely be a huge one because if you're so caught up in whatever rat race it is for you, whether it's keeping up with your job or your family or your school or whatever, like slow, slow down, um, give yourself some time. You don't have to have every minute of your day booked. You don't have to be going straight from work to your social life, to your church life, to your gym, to what, like you have to take some things out um, to be able to have you time. You just, you just do. I think the other piece is it's so much easier to have clarity when you can, I mean, like you mentioned at the beginning, when you can talk about things, when you can speak it. And I think a lot of people don't have an outlet for that. So whether it's a therapist or a really good personal friend, or even a journal, or, you know, just whatever, being able to, to speak and put out your thoughts to process your thoughts is so, so important because as you put your thoughts out there, you are able to organize your thoughts because you have to, when they're in your head, they can just swirl around and they can just be running around. But when you externalize them in whatever form that takes, you have to sort through them as that happens. So that helps a lot. And I think a lot of it is, is physical health, right? I mean, I think a lot of it is, yeah, if, if you are eating junk food and never, um, you know, getting any physical activity going in your day, you're definitely gonna, yeah, you're going to be clouded. Your brain's not getting all of the stuff it needs to be able to, to work clearly. That's really good. I, I used to be doing soul cycle all the time and it was amazing. But on the other end, if you do it too much, then it's like you spiral out of control. So there, I think there is such a, there has to be such a balance in trying to find like the physical and mental health. It's, it's hard, but like you said, food is so important too. Like, as far as like, I think I felt so empty because I literally had no source of energy. (laughs) So food is important to, have any sort of life force energy and it's like medicine as well. So maybe if people have an eating disorder, that, that was one thing that um, helped me was this, this, this is nourishment to help me be a person. I, I need this for, for, for me, not just not worry about getting fat or whatever else is going on in your mind. Like, I think that's really important. I think the best way I've heard that balance described is someone saying, stop focusing on being healthy or being skinny or whatever other labels you put on it and just focus on honoring your body. Mm. And when you focus on honoring your body, it sounds kind of like frilly new age, but when you focus on that, it allows it to be so much more personal. And I think people can be much more personally in tune with what they need 
because there is no one size fits all for mm-hmm. either physical or mental health. That's so good. I also wanted to ask you though, um, when, because this is so vulnerable and I need to go back and listen to your therapy Thursday about this, but when you, when you are feeling so exposed doing something like this, what, what advice, because I want other people to be able to talk about it, but I know the feeling of what it feels like to say stuff like this. So what do you say for people who are not maybe quite ready to talk about these kind of things? Ooh, you're not allowed to flip the interview on me like this. What are you doing? <laughs> this, is <laughs> okay. this is for self <laughs> Um, That is a good question. I think we are all terrified of vulnerability and being exposed because we're terrified that it's going to go badly and it's going to go poorly, right? We're terrified of what we don't know. And what we don't know is, will people reject me? Will people judge me? Will people not like me? But I have found over and over and over, both in my personal experience and with my clients, that people in general, like 99% of the time, people respond really well to authenticity. Hmm. I've met very few people that, that don't respond well to authenticity. When you can talk about the hard things in your life, typically people respond better to it. Right. And this, and this doesn't mean we go around, you know, bearing our souls and giving our sob stories to every supermarket checkout clerk that we meet. Right. We don't have to, we don't have to be at that level, but when you can just be real and honest, even if it's just like you mentioned with those close people in your life, it's, it's, it's a leap of faith of recognizing that no people actually, people do want what's real where Mm. people are tired of the fake faces. People respond to what they see as genuine and authentic even if it's messy, because it helps them know, Hey, I'm messy too. Yeah. There might be one or two people who might, you know, judge you or might say, Oh, well, you're just seeking attention or I don't know, whatever other dumb people, but people are always going to say dumb, stupid things, but most people respond well. And part of it is just taking that leap of faith and doing that brave thing and hoping and trusting that the people around you, the people who you love, or even complete strangers are going to catch you and they're going to respond. They're going to love you. And they're going to care about you because I, I genuinely think that's what humans do. That's so good. I hope everyone hears this. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So now I'm putting the interview back onto you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> As you've been going through your journeys and experience, what misconceptions have you come across that you wish people would, would understand aren't the case? Like what, what popular false ideas are there about that you've run into that you've had to battle? I think, um, well, if we eating disorders, the misconception is that it's not as serious as it is. Um, I think, like I said, it starts out as innocent and I always thought it was maybe just some superficial thing, but it's a serious mental health crisis. I think it's one of the leading killers. Uh, I, I don't know the numbers you, you, probably would know better than me, but it's it's really bad. And, um, I don't think people realize how, how, um, serious it is that that was a big, big misconception for me. Um, misconception about the industry is that, that it's something glamorous. It's, it's not, it's hard work and it's, it's ugly. It's you throwing clothes on in your car and, crying inside, memorizing your lines, going in front of people thinking in your mind, oh my God, I'm going to have a panic attack. I don't know what's happening right now. And then all you see is like some Instagram post or something about, you know, I got this job or some deadline article going to be in this thing. Like, 
I hope I wish those deadline articles would go away because it doesn't help the people that aren't working. Like I want to make a fake deadline article and be like, nobody cares because this is hurtful for the people that aren't working. So um, I'm worried if I ever get a job again to post anything like that, because I know on the other side of it, there's a million people that are really suffering and need those jobs and want those jobs and can't figure out how to get there. Um, so, you know, people that, uh, that see any article that's on, it's just not glamorous. It's one person sitting there writing an article. And then um, it's just the whole industry is really smoke and mirrors. <laughs> that's something like it's, it's not pretty. Um, maybe for like Leonardo DiCaprio, I, I can't speak for him, might be glamorous, <laughs> like San Tropez, but uh, not for like your common uh, just working actor or struggling actor rather. So um, that's another one. And just I think there's just a lot of misconceptions about just everyone out there, you know, my dog agrees. Um, <laughs> sorry. That was fun. Um, we put out there that we are a certain way and that's only a small portion. Like you said, not to say that's to go around talking about how miserable your life is. Cause I generally like to be positive, but um, I think this is very important. You're doing such an important work for everyone to slowly come out of their shell and like reveal more of themselves. So I, I just looked it up as you said it, cause I didn't know. Um, so I just looked it up. Eating disorders have the highest mortality rate of any mental illness. So yeah, it's, it is something definitely that people need to take seriously. Some, some other interesting statistics on here. It is estimated that 8 million Americans have an eating disorder. And of that, it, it's interesting. Um, an estimated 10 to 15% of people with anorexia or bulimia are males. So it's, I, I know it often gets talked about as a very female centric issue, but 10 to 15%, that's what one in one in 10 to one in seven um, of people with eating disorder are male. So it's not, it's not a one gender thing. It's not a small little sweep it under the rug thing. It is a very, very big, important issue. And I'm so glad that we have people who are like you, who are willing to talk about it and be able to put a face on it and be able to say like, no, this, this affects everyone. Even the people who, like you said, like you, who are very bubbly, happy, you know, looking people like this, this is, it's all over the place. Any final thoughts you'd like to, to share before we finish up today, Ellie? I think I would, if anyone's listening to this, that is struggling with an eating disorder or anything else. I mean, a lot of times it goes hand in hand with depression, anxiety, OCD, whatever else it might be. I think the most important thing is to just, you don't have to tell someone yet, but be honest with yourself as much as you can and know that it's it's normal. And if you catch it quickly, then it doesn't spiral out of control. But I think the, the main thing for me was that I didn't tell anyone. Only you at the end of the day are gonna be the person that's gonna stop your bad behavior. You have to be ready. No one else, people can, you know, my parents, a lot of people tried to get help for me a lot of times, but I was not ready. So you have to be the one at the end of the day to really take the initiative to get help and to really stand strong in that or else it is such an intense disease that it will take you away. So you have to be stick to your guns and be very strong or else you can't be like, well, maybe today, like, I don't know, like I won't eat something. Like you have to be very intensely committed to your healing process. And that might go for, for everything else too. I love it. So I, I like that the first step to being able to be honest and vulnerable with other people is you have to be honest and vulnerable with yourself. Yeah. And then, and then, yeah, you, it is, it is on, on you. Yeah. We can get help and that's what 
we have professionals for, but at the end of the day, that's, and that's the number one I see. Number one thing I see in coming into therapy is that anyone who wants to be there heals very fast um, mm-hmm. compared to the people who are being forced to be there or who just feel like they have to be there. So yeah. Makes sense. Ellie, thank you so much for joining me today. This has been absolutely amazing. Um, if you guys, if you want to hear more uh, from me and Ellie, I mean, who knows, maybe we'll do another one in the future, but we've already got some up on our Instagrams. We've done uh, a few th- uh, Instagram lives where we've talked about mental health on there too. If you just can't get enough of Ellie, like I can't. So thank you all for joining us on this bonus episode of Therapy Thursday. And uh, this is TJ and Ellie wishing you all the best. Bye. Thanks so much again for listening. If you enjoyed this or other episodes of Therapy Thursday, please consider rating and leaving a review wherever you're listening to your podcast. It really, really helps us to be able to get this in front of more people. Of course, remember that this is a podcast, not therapy, and it should not replace any treatment by a licensed mental health care professional. And I invite you to follow me along on my Instagram at TJ Counseling for more mental health tips.